appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. I started last Sunday night a series I'm going to be preaching on uh, Sunday nights. And uh, the whole series is called Dealing with Doubt. We're going to be looking week by week at some common objections to uh, Christianity and uh, examine each of those, whether those are valid. Uh, one of the, the simple statements that often is said about Christianity is that it is blind faith. In other words, there's no reason for it. But I believe that nothing could be further from the truth. True belief in God. God said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind your soul and your strength. And so that means that you have to engage your mind. You have to be a thinker if you're going to truly uh, follow God. And I believe that though there are objections to Christianity, God is not afraid of that, nor should you be. That it's, Christianity holds up very, very well. It is a very logical belief system. And so we're going to be looking through those. Last week we began with the foundation, is there a God? Does God exist? And that was our first subject. Tonight we're going to be looking at another common objection to Christianity, and that has to do with the issue of absolute truth. And the objection generally goes something like this. Christians are very narrow. You believe that you have absolute truth. In other words, it's true for everyone, for all time. And those kinds of people are dangerous. To have that kind of thing, you oppress people. And you are really trying to ruin people's freedom. And so the objection goes is that truth should not be absolute, but rather each person should be free to determine what is true for them. And that is a very, very common issue. And in answer to that, I'm just going to begin by way of illustration. Uh, Trail Magazine is a, a climbing Magazine, the February 2004 issue, gave directions for climbers if you were climbing uh, Britain's, uh, or descending rather, Britain's highest peak, Ben Nevis. Gave step-by-step advice if you are navigating the trail down from the summit in bad weather. This is how you should do so safely. The problem is the directions were wrong. Roger Wilde, who is a mountain safety advisor, looked at those instructions and he uh, contacted the magazine. He said, the potential consequences of following your advice is clear. If you do what you say to do in the magazine, you're going to go over the North Face, which is a thousand foot drop. He said, I find it incredible that Trail has published advice, which is so obviously and dangerously wrong. Trail magazine admitted a crucial step in the instructions was inadvertently omitted. Guy Proctor, the editor, said there's a simple explanation. One sentence was missing from the article. And they had to put a correction in the March issue. And Proctor said, we advise all climbers to use an ordnance survey map and a compass. So, the reason why I begin with that illustration is, it matters what you believe. If a climber took those instructions and said, I believe these instructions are good for me, then the end result would have been destruction. In the scripture we're going to read, Jesus Christ is standing before Pontius Pilate. 
standing, he is going to be judged by Pontius Pilate to determine his fate. And Jesus speaks about truth. And Pilate responds cynically, what is truth? And so we're going to be looking uh, tonight at the issue of, of absolute truth versus relativism or the idea that uh, truth is changeable. So we're looking at the nature of truth. Read with me in John 18, starting at verse 33. Then Pilate entered the, praetor- uh, the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate answered him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, you rightly say that I'm a king for this cause I was born, for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And then when he said this, he went again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. At all. Absolute truth. I want to begin. I want to talk about the worldviews of truth. Because in this scripture is literally, it is a clash of worldviews. Your worldview is simply the way that you look at life. It's the lens through which you look at all of life and you interpret life. And so, you have in Jesus Christ and Pontius Pilate, you have two very opposite worldviews, but actually are the two uh, uh, worldviews that are in conflict unto this day. Jesus Christ is the worldview of absolute truth. Jesus Christ is speaking, when He says truth, He's talking about things that are always true for all times, for all people, not dependent on circumstances, popular opinion, culture, or time. That is absolute unchanging. Pontius Pilate looks at life completely differently. It is the worldview of what we call relativism. And I'll explain that a little more in a moment. In other words, Pilate is either saying you can't know truth or truth is personally relative or changeable. Verse 37, Jesus says, I came to testify to the truth. And Pilate says in verse 38, What is truth? Now, Pilate is saying one of two things. Either when he says what is truth, he is saying there is no truth. This is a man who saw the worst in in life, in human nature. And it could be that this is extreme uh, cynicism saying what is truth. He could be saying, hey, listen, there is no such thing as truth. There are people who believe that today. Nihilism. Defined in the dictionary is the philosophy of extreme skepticism. A person who is a nihilist is one who says there is nothing that has a real 
existence. You may think you're sitting here, but Anila says, maybe you're not. <laughs> and that's actually what they believe. There is no such thing as real existence or real truth. But it could be that Pilate is saying here, the idea of relativism or that truth is changeable. That truth can be different for different people in different times in different situations. Verse 35, he responds, am I a Jew? Talking about a king and truth. Hey, listen, I'm not a Jew. I'm, I'm not from here. I'm Roman. It's different for me as a Roman than it is for you as a Jew. That is what some people believe. Relativism says that truth is changeable. And in verse 38, what is truth? Well, the issue is, I have to determine how is that going to work out for me? How is that good for me? So what is truth? And so right there you have the clash of worldviews. And we live in a world in, in, in which there are changing viewpoints of truth. There was a time when the vast majority of people believed that truth was absolute and unchanging. There was a time when people understood if you believe something, it had to follow what is called the laws of logic. In other words, truth had to be Logical, two of the most famous laws of logic. One is coherence. That means if you believe something, it must cohere or be in line with other things that we know is true. If you say, I believe this thing, but it, it violates everything else we know is true, then it can't be true. And people understood that. The other law of logic uh, uh, simply states it's the law of non-contradiction. In other words... Two things can't be true at, at, if they're opposite at the same time. I am behind this pulpit. That's one viewpoint. I am not behind this pulpit. They can't both be true. And there was a time when people understood truth is absolute and truth had to follow the laws of logic. The problem is truth always comes under assault. Went through in history something that was called the Enlightenment. Enlightenment was a period in time when people came, this is where humanism came from, where people in large degree began to turn away from the truth of the Bible and absolute truth. This was during the 13 to the 1500s. It was going to be the victory of man that, that human beings, that we can do this, that, that people are basically good. And this was called modernism. And so they believed this was very, very popular, came out of France and began to spread around the world. But after several hundred years, of seeing how humanism worked out, people were not so optimistic anymore. And so what began to come through philosophy began to be what is called postmodernism, which is the age in which we live in now. And that is, if modernism is the age of enlightenment, it's after that. That didn't work so well. And so the philosophical beliefs began to be basically 
not positive as in this is what I believe, but rather philosophy began to be skeptical and pessimistic. number of very influential people in postmodernism. Frederick Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche had a philosophy that was basically suspicion. If you say anything, I believe that this is true, he had what has been termed philosophical squinting. Really? Why do you believe that? What do you really want by saying that? This became incredibly popular. It was Nietzsche who came up uh, uh, with the phrase that God is dead, which is not the idea that God uh, uh, died. It was basically we are no longer under the rules or the understanding of God. Very influential, Frederick Nietzsche. Pessimism and skepticism. Another one is Immanuel Kant. Then there's another man, uh, uh, Michel Foucault. Michel Foucault was, a, in essence, a follower or a disciple of, of Nietzsche. And he had famous statements. He said, truth is a thing of this world. It's only produced uh, uh, by virtue of multiple forms of constraint. And it induces regular effects of power. That is, uh, he was French. That was a big way of saying, what he basically is saying is this, truth is bad. Because truth stops you from being free. And anybody who tells you, I believe something is true, you got to watch out because they really just want power. And so, this, this became very, very profoundly influential. These, uh, primarily uh, Nietzsche and uh, Foucault, have had great impact on our educational systems all around the world, but uh, here in America, have had great influence. In postmodern thinking, there is no such thing as absolute truth. You can't really know for sure. And people believe you can construct your own stories about what is true. You have narratives. What is right for one person may not be right for another. When we talk about relativism, when you say truth is Relative, you are saying, that depends. Is that true? That depends. It might be true for you, but not for you. It might be true for then, but not for now. It depends on what situation you are in. That is what you're saying. Truth is relative. Truth is changeable. And it depends. Since the 1970s, there have been classes in schools called values clarification. It's based on the, the assumption that all beliefs about morality arise out of emotion. And so the issue is not what is right and wrong. It's how do you feel? That's what's most important. And this is why... Christianity is suspect because that's mean that you say this is right or that is wrong. I don't feel that. And you're hurting my feelings. So therefore, that is unacceptable. So what's happened over years and years of education with these indoctrinations is that most people today do not believe in absolute truth. In America, 67% of adults agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. People will say, 
Different people can define truth in conflicting ways and still be correct. It doesn't follow the rules of logic uh, uh, anymore. 52% of born-again Christians believe that truth is relative. What's true for one person may not be true for another. And 75% of professing Christians, this is now anyone who names Christianity at all, say there is no such thing as absolute truth. The Supreme Court... In uh, uh, 1992, they ruled on this, and they said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe. In other words, it's, there is no right and wrong. You have, that's your constitutional right. You don't like it? That's your right. You have the right to determine what is true for you. And so out of this comes this objection that Christianity is narrow, it's mean, it's oppressive because you believe that truth is absolute. Think about some implications of a relativistic worldview. I want you to understand this. Number one, anybody who tells you there's no such thing as absolute truth, listen, Everyone has a truth claim. Because you have a different truth claim than Christianity, it doesn't go away. If someone tells you all truth claims are power plays, that is a truth claim, though. See, the problem with philosophy is it basically is trying to see through everything, not professing what is True and actual, it's simply everything that anybody else believes is suspect. Anybody who tells you there is no such thing as absolute truth, you can ask this simple question, are you absolutely sure? (laughs) Right? If you know there is no such thing as absolute truth, how do you know? Right? Pilate says, what is true? There is no such thing. As absolute truth. But that is an absolute truth then. And if you're saying truth is different for each person, that is an absolute truth. So you have to understand this. So to say there is no such thing as absolute truth is actually illogical. That does not make sense. So you have to understand that. Number two, truth is moral. Truth has implications. That's what it means when we say it's moral. Truth is not simply information. My job is not simply giving you information. You say, yep, you tick that out. Yep, I get that. I get that. I get I understand that. No, truth is moral. It has to do with conduct. In other words, we choose our truth claims based on our moral desires of what we want to do. The Bible tells us in the earliest history of man in the garden, the temptation for the first man and first woman was, if you eat of the tree, you can be as gods. I know that God says, don't touch that tree, but listen, if you really want to be a god, then you do what you want to do. And so, what you believe, 
You choose that because of what you want to do. When Pilate is standing here and he's saying, what is truth? This was not merely a philosophical or an information debate. You know, give me all of your truth claims. We'll weigh that up against. No, no, no. What Pilate is saying is, listen, I want the power. I want the money. I want the benefits of my job. So when I say what is truth, or I say there is no absolute truth, behind that is what we want. Stories told of a woman who was ripped off by a con man. She had lost over $50,000 of her life savings. And so after she discovered that this was a con, she contacted the Better Business Bureau asking about what this man had claimed. And she invested her money. She filed a complaint. And the man from the Better Business Bureau said, Lady, that sounds fishy right from the start. Why didn't you come to us before you invested your money? Did you not know that we were here to help you find out about businesses? And she said, oh, I did know about you, but I was afraid if I called you, you'd tell me not to do it. (laughs) Because this is the issue of truth. This truth is moral. Let's look at the outworking of truth for a moment. Because our scripture shows us something, and that is that truth has consequences. That's why I began with the story of Trail Magazine. You can take this path, but the problem is what you believe has consequences. And that is what we have to face. This is not a, you know, a philosophy club like, whoa, dude, what do you believe? Cool. No, no, no. It has very real consequences. Think about the consequences we see in the scripture. Number one, without absolute truth, truth is always going to be Changeable. Verse 38, he has listened to the accusations against Jesus Christ. He's talked to Jesus Christ and he sums it up and says, verse 38, I find no fault in this man. Pilate is saying, it would be wrong for me to punish this man because he's done nothing wrong. But a few minutes later, when the crowd is chanting, crucify, and we're going to report you to your boss. He said, remember, a few minutes ago, he said, it would be wrong to punish this man. And just a few minutes later, he says, crucify. So, without absolute truth, the problem is truth will always be changeable. If you do not have absolute truth, you are living your life... For certain things. And what that means is that a year from now, the entire basis of your life may no longer be there. It might not be true anymore. And so you have been aiming your life at something that it might change from day to day. That's very difficult to live that way. How are you going to have security in life? How are you going to have stability without something that is absolute if it's changeable? Number two, without absolute truth, this scripture shows us that you will bring destruction on other people. So the outcome of this man says, 
Come on, what is truth? Eh, you're a Jew, I'm a Roman. I don't agree. The problem is when you don't have absolute truth, the outworking of relativism is it's okay to hurt people. He passes sentence, kill an innocent man. And so the question is, if you are a relativist, why not? Who are you to say that it's wrong for him to condemn an innocent man to death? Because it was true for him. His job depended upon it. And so this is what happens. If you do not have absolute truth, you have no outside anchor to hold you in place. Pastor Mitchell spoke, this is Father's Day. And we face in the world in which we live the incredible pervasiveness of divorce, of illegitimacy, of fathers who will not take responsibility. It is not an accident when the percentage of people being indoctrinated through school who say there are no absolute truths, it is not an accident that the divorce rate rises. People who say, why should I stay? I know I said, till death do his part, but that's not good for me anymore. Why should I raise this child i didn't mind the sex part creating the baby but you know that's a lot of responsibility it is not an accident that divorce and illegitimacy and people not taking responsibility rises in connection with the percentage of people who say there is no absolute truth because absolute truth is something that anchors you it is Absolutely true. It doesn't depend on whether you feel like it. You ever notice that in the marriage vows? Say, do you promise till death do you part or until you get bored and meet somebody better on Facebook? Because <laughs> absolutes anchor. Thirdly, without absolute truth, you bring destruction on society. If you know the history of Pontius Pilate, he orders Jesus to be crucified. His next major act as a leader, as a ruler, was to cruelly attack some Samaritans. He brought destruction upon a nation. It's interesting to me that this is a politician. Politics always becomes self-serving without absolute truth. And that is a given. That's always going to be true. And so... The issue is society breaks down without absolute truth. Imagine if, you know, I mean, that that sounds cool. You know, like, I don't believe in absolutes. I mean, that's cool for you if that's what you want. Imagine how that would work out in society. If you went to the bank tomorrow and you know you're feeling pretty good because you've managed to save $5,000. I would like to withdraw my $5,000. And the teller says, I know you say you have $5,000. And I know your statement says you have 5,000, but that's not what I believe. And so I spent it. And who are you to say that that's not right? How narrow is that? Right? Is this is going to bring a breakdown in society. Jesus, in fact, was standing before Pontius Pilate because the Jews 
as a nation had turned away from God's absolute truth. And that is why Pontius Pilate was in charge. Because it had worked out in society. It had worked out in destruction. You know, this is something that you will see on a regular basis in stupid criminal stories. How many of you have ever seen this? People call 911 to complain, Hey, I just bought some drugs and they're bad. You ever see that? I bought it and he cut it. It's not good. <laughs> so, this is, I'm doing wrong. But what that guy did to me is wrong. Can you come sort out my drug dealer? This is the insanity because society begins to break down when you don't have absolutes. And finally, this story shows without absolute truth, we bring destruction on ourselves. Truth has consequences for you. It really matters what you believe for you. Pilate is sitting. The word we read there, the praetorium, this is the judgment seat or the place of judgment. And he thinks he is determining the life of this Jew. What he doesn't understand is Jesus Christ was not just another man or another Jew. He was God in the flesh. So imagine this. Pilate is sitting on his judgment seat. Hmm. Who are you? What do people say? And he thinks he's passing judgment on him. But in actual fact, there's something that is profound here. You need to learn this. See, in our world, it is people, you know, they, they get one semester of school and now they feel that they can call the God of the universe into question. Hmm, I don't know if that's, that's not good for me. Listen, you do not judge truth. Truth judges you. That is what the scripture says. Think about some of the fathers of postmodernism. Frederick Nietzsche. Why are you saying that? No, there's not really any. God is dead. Frederick Nietzsche contracted syphilis and it so infected his brain at age 44, he completely collapsed and could not function. He lived for 11 years with his syphilis-infected brain not functioning and finally he died at 55. That's freedom. Michel Foucault died of AIDS at age 59. That's freedom. How absolute truth is going to wreck your freedom. That's freedom. Pontius Pilate here, he thinks he's passing judgment. <coughs> Crucify. You know his history that Pontius Pilate was removed shortly after this, went in exile. They say that he died, had a mental breakdown, continually washing his hands. See, think about it. What, what an awesome thought this is. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God came out of heaven in a form you can see. So Pilate here, sitting on his chair, <laughs> Pontius Pilate, after he died, 
had to stand before the one that he thought he was passing judgment on. And how foolish it is that what was Pilate's reaction there? You know, I'd like to let this guy go, but people are hassling me. Bring me some water. I wash my hands. How foolish to think that you can just wash your hands of truth. I know I should raise the children that I created, but, you know, I'm not into that. You, you know, you're going to walk away from your relational, your societal obligation. You're going to walk away. You're simply going to wash your hands of the absolute truth of God in the flesh. Now, truth has consequences. Let's look finally at the power of truth. Pilate asks, what is truth? And so we see here, by Jesus' response, we see the nature of truth, and we see the nature of absolute truth. Number one, truth must come from outside ourselves. This is, this is the, whole, the whole mistaken idea. If you believe that truth can come from you, the problem is that does not work because it will always be biased, self-serving, and changing. In other words, it was just a few hundred years ago in our nation, people felt and believed that it was acceptable to enslave other human beings. It's not that long ago that people were like property. It was acceptable to kill someone if they didn't follow your rules. This goes through all the permutations of society, of things that are popular and things that are not popular, is it is changeable, but Jesus responds here. He's asking what is truth, and Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not just a personal thing. You think, I think. Cool, that's cool for you. It's not cool for me. No, no, he says, truth is not of this world. Truth is eternal. You can count on it. There's never going to come a time where truth is going to change because of the passage of time or because of which party is in power or because of what's popular. Jesus says truth is not of this world. It has to come from outside because if not, it will always be biased. Number two, truth is absolute. When the Bible speaks about truth, it's talking about that which corresponds to reality. It's not relative. It's true for all people at all times in all places. And so the issue is there can only be one truth. You cannot have two truths that contradict. Daniel, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the late senator from New York, he was having a debate with another man. You know, different people see things differently, but he said these very interesting words. He said, you are entitled to your own opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. You, you can't change facts 
to fit your feeling. That's the world we live in. So if I feel it, then we just change the facts. But that is not possible. Psalm 119, 160, all your words are true. And your righteous laws are eternal. That, that is the foundation of life. It's never going to go out of fashion. This, this is, it's not from this world. You don't vote on truth. It doesn't matter what is being taught or not being taught. In any educational system around the world, doesn't depend on who's in power or what country you're in. The Bible says truth is eternal. It's absolute. Thirdly, truth is a person. Think about this. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the one who is true and the one who determines truth. John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. The reason why that's important, why did God come down and become a man? So that you could see what truth looks like if it's lived out. This is, this is why. What would it look like if somebody actually lived by truth? In other words, this is not philosophical like, whoa, what's truth? What is the sound of one hand clapping? Mm. That's heavy. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there. Right? Those are cool little philosophical. No, no, no. Jesus Christ, truth is a person. He lived out truth. And you can see it. As we said, Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived. We do not. We have not. But he did. What is truth? It's looking you in the eye, Pilate. Because truth is a person. Truth is not only lived out, but it's made real. What an incredible story the gospel is. God in the flesh is going to let this Roman pass a death sentence on him. That was not because Rome was so powerful. As Jesus said, I could call ten thousands of angels down. Right? Remember in the Bible, one angel killed 185,000 men. He says, I could call ten thousands multiples. This is not an issue of I can't. Pilate here, hmm, live or die. God in the flesh let him do that. Why? Because it was his plan. For this reason I was born, Jesus says. What is truth? I'll tell you what truth is it's a purpose. My purpose on this earth was to live out the truth as a sinless man to show you what it looks like and to die in your place. He let him do that. Why? Because sin is serious. Sin is not, you know, that's, that's cool for you. It's not cool for me. I believe different. No, no, no. Sin is so serious God, as a man, let himself 
be crucified because that's how serious sin is. It separates from God. It must be punished. Think about this. Pilate says, I don't really believe in truth. And Jesus died anyway. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't really believe in God, but he believes in you. So much so that he would be willing to die in your place. We see also that truth brings freedom. This is the great mistake of Nietzsche and Foucault and people like that. Is they believe that absolute truth will enslave people. But in fact, when Jesus was on the earth, he said it's the opposite. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The issue in life is purpose. Our society has defined freedom as the absence of restraint. I'm free if I can do anything I want. Who are you to say that I should live a certain way? Well, there, this, the issue has to do with purpose. Why were you made? Why are you on the earth? If, you, if the definition of freedom is the absence of restraint, a fish on land is free then, right? But that's not very free, is it? Because it was made to be underwater. You were made to have relationship with God. Freedom is not, oh, I've got a different set of rules. I'll do anything I want. Freedom is you fulfilling the purpose that God has for you, which is to be in relationship with him. And when that works out, when someone, I understand, you know, people say, oh, there are people, they believe, they were Christian, they believe in slavery. Then they were stupid. That's wrong. Okay? Oh, there's people in there. Okay. I get that. But when truth is truly embraced and it works out, it does not oppress. It actually works out for the betterment of people. I don't know if you remember some, some years back, a gunman went to an Amish school and numbers of, of young girls there. He took them hostage, was going to kill them. And they said in the news there was a little girl. She was 13 years old. She offered to die for the rest of them. She said, kill me and let the rest go. She didn't get that from watching TV. Amish don't have TVs. <laughs> right? Where did she get that idea? She got that from an eternal book. He said, I believe something. I want to oppress you. No, no, no. It's going to work out for the betterment of other people. Finally, we see that truth demands a response. Verse 37, are you a king then? Jesus said, you rightly say I'm a king. For this cause I was born. I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Here's the final thought about truth. Truth is king. It's not just a philosophy to go, whoa, that's heavy. Truth is king. It demands a response. The issue is not just Jesus Christ. I believe 
intellectually that he came. No, no, no. He says, are you a king? Jesus says, absolutely right. Because truth is only going to work if you're going to let God be king. It demands a response. You have to choose to surrender to truth. I close with this story. A man named J.P. Moreland, he says, I was sharing the gospel in a student's dorm room at the University of Vermont. The student gave him some of what I'm saying tonight. Whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true, true for me. But he said, no one should force his or her views on other people because everything is relative. J.P. Moreland said, I knew if I let him get away with that relativism, he'd never understand the gospel, never feel the need of a savior. So instead of arguing, I said, okay. I thanked him and I started to leave his room. And on the way out, I unplugged his stereo and picked it up and started carrying it out. And the guy said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm leaving your room with your stereo. And he said, you can't do that. But Moreland said, I happen to feel that it is permissible to steal stereos if it helps my religious devotions. And I really could use a stereo to listen to Christian music during my morning devotions. Now, I would never try to force uh, my... uh, my moral beliefs in regard be, uh, to this, because as you say, everything is relative. But surely you're not going to force on me your idea that you say it's wrong to steal your stereo, are you? Said so the student, kind of looked at him stunned for a minute, and then J.P. Moreland said, you know what I think? He said, I think that you espouse relativism in the areas of your life where it's convenient for you like in sexual morality or areas that you don't really care about anyway. But when it comes to stealing your stereo or criticizing your beliefs, I see that you became a moral absolutist pretty quickly, didn't you? (laughs) You don't actually believe in relativity at all, do you? When it affects you. He says, believe it or not, the student saw that what he had been saying was illogical and inconsistent. And a few weeks later, said, I was able to lead him to Jesus Christ. Because truth is a king. It demands a response. I want you to bow your heads all across this.